Tonight is a good night to be with you, and tonight, in just a moment, Ben Little is going to share with you, share with us. Basically, we're going to, I'm going to interview Ben, and he's going to share with us. You know, in the New Testament time, it was interesting the way things worked. You may remember that story in Acts chapter 10, true story, obviously, where Peter was told to go to this house, and, and he, had a, he had a vision and, and knew that he was supposed to go and preach to Gentiles. And so he gets to Cornelius' house. You'll remember this. And, and whenever he goes, the Spirit comes upon them. And all at once, Gentiles are baptized into Christ. And what they thought was impossible to happen really happened. And it was incredible and wonderful. But also, you know that Peter probably thought the other Christians who are of a Jewish background are never going to believe this. And they are not going to like what I'm about to tell them. So chapter 11 is the mission report of how it all went down. And it's almost an exact repeat of chapter 10. And Peter tells in that report what happened. One of the most biblical things we can do is hear reports sometimes from missionaries to know what's happening. And so we have been associated with Southern Africa Bible College for way more than 50 years. That is a long time. It's not just an individual, it is a, it's a large, what you might say, entity that is preaching the gospel in lots of different places. And Ben Little is in, in the country, he came from South Africa, he's a South African. He's been here for a few weeks. He has already preached three times today in Fort Worth. And so after his last time at one o'clock, Kirk Eason picked him up and brought him and he hurried here. So here he is tonight and I'm gonna interview him so you can hear a little bit in his own words about what's happening in, in South Africa. And so, Ben, come on up, and I want to share you. some things. I'm not going to be calling anyone. I have my questions on the phone, okay? <clears throat> I may have to call someone. What should I ask him next, you know? <laughs> so tell us about how you were introduced to Jesus. Well, uh, that could take at least 30 minutes and being a typical preacher, you know, but <laughs> I'm going to respect time and just say that um, I grew up uh, in the Catholic uh, persuasion. And um, as, a, as a, a child, a young boy, I always had the desire to preach. I knew from the age of eight years old that I would preach one day. I didn't know how, I didn't know where. Uh, I thought I would go into the Catholic seminary as a 20-year-old and uh, take seven years to study to become a Catholic priest. But through a series of events, um, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll spare you several of the details, <clears throat> but someone gave me a Bible. And of course, speaking for myself and the background, the context where I come from, we thought a Bible was something you put on the shelf and it was a holy book and you left it there, you never opened it. And I started reading the Bible and it was like cool water to a thirsty soul. Yeah. And so I started searching and I came across a text which I had never read before. I went from the book of Proverbs to uh, the Gospels and I eventually found myself in John chapter 3. And uh, the discourse with Nicodemus uh, that Jesus has uh, one night. And the words sprang off the page at me where Jesus says in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, unless a man is born again, uh, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And then in verse 5, unless a man is born again of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And these words resonated with me and I knew I was in trouble because I knew I wasn't born again. 
And so I went to my, as any, you know, good Catholic would do, you go to your priest and you inquire, what does the text mean? And I think the worst thing he could have done to me was to fob me off and say, oh, don't worry about that. We'll, I'll study that with you. I'll tell you what that's all about. And he never did. And that set me on a, tra a trajectory to find out what the truth was. And just two things very quickly. Firstly, I'd never heard of the Church of Christ as a child growing up, even though there was a church less than a mile away from my house growing up. And they'd never knocked on my door and introduced themselves to me. And so I went on a search for the truth that uh, involved several denominations. I even considered Islam at one stage because I was so desperate to know the truth. And then eventually I would meet um, a young lady that was studying with a preacher. I had already by that time left the Catholic Church. I'd been baptized in a denomination, didn't know why. They couldn't tell me why. And I still wasn't sure of what I believed. And when I... Uh, started dating this young lady she said i'm studying with a church of christ preacher do you want to come along and i did and he and i studied and uh, i was you know full of zeal no knowledge at all of the bible jumping up and down as you know uh, charismatic uh, denominational people do and uh, he turned to acts chapter 2 and he asked me to read verse 38 which i did and he said to me were you baptized for those reasons and i said this is the first time I've heard about being baptized for the remission of sins and receiving the Holy Spirit. And so he said, what do you think? I said, well, I need to do this right. And I did. And uh, so I became a member of the Church of Christ uh, in 1999. And I was married that same year, hit the ground running. And that was my start, my walk with the Lord. So was this preacher a graduate of Southern Africa Bible College? He was. And so I'm guessing he said... You should go to Southern Africa Bible College. Well, what happened was he didn't do that initially, but there was a, uh, a brother. He died in 2002. His name was Dr. Desmond Stumpf. And Dr. Des Stumpf was a trustee of what was then known as the Southern Africa Bible School. And um, he, was a, he was such a, a believer in what we used to call SABs. And I think the water was still rolling down, you know, at the, from the back of my ears when he said to me, you should go to SABS. <laughs> I didn't know what SABS was. I had no idea. And um, he was the one that uh, actually invited me to a lectureship. And the very first lectureship that I went to, I was, I was, uh, if you could find heaven on earth, uh, for me, that was heaven on earth at that time. It was like a foretaste. I even wrote a little poem about the, wow. the lectureship because it had such an impact on my life. And stepping onto the hallowed ground, uh, Kirk Eason was telling me earlier about um, the Holy Lands uh, where the uh, Texas A&M uh, college is. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and, and for me, that was my, my first experience of, of, of the Southern Africa Bible College was stepping onto hallowed ground. In fact, I didn't think they would accept me as a student. <laughs> That was my initial, you know, thought. Uh, and um, so Des Stumpf was initially the one responsible for uh, igniting that spark in me to go and study at the Bible College. So how did that benefit you after you got there? And you're a graduate. Right? I am, yes, so sir. So what are kind of the benefits you've received? Well, um, for me, it is unquantifiable. Because firstly, as I said, I didn't think they would accept me. You know, I'd only been a Christian for a couple of years. I was newly married. I had a, 
and, and uh, you know, our little girl was, um, yeah, she was a, basically a newborn, a um, few months old. And so there were so many things uh, standing in our way of going. And um, obviously prayer, I prayed about it, you know, all the time. I said, Lord, I want to go. I was running a small business from home. So um, I, I was in a position where one could consider yourself as reasonably, you know, in a comfort zone, comfortable. But my desire to preach, and especially because I had not known the truth prior. And so this was a burning in my heart and in my bones that I wanted to equip myself. And I knew that the Bible college was the place to go. I must say, by the same token, because I'm a, a natural skeptic, you know, I was still finding my way and thinking, uh, if there is a loophole in the theology of what the churches of Christ teach, I will find that loophole. This is just how my brain works, you know. And uh, so I went to the Bible college and I paid attention every single class. Uh, while some guys slept, you know, this, while men slept, I was awake because I wanted to know. I didn't want to miss a thing. Had my Greek and Hebrew study Bible, checked every single word that the guy up front spoke. And after three years, I came away knowing that what the Southern Africa Bible College teaches is the truth and nothing but the truth. And I learned methods. My desire for evangelism uh, was born at the Bible College and developed at the Bible College. And so the skills that I learned at the Bible College and things that I developed over time on my own have really benefited me greatly. And I make my boast in the Lord because since um, becoming a Christian, uh, I've been involved with, either directly or indirectly, involved with the baptisms of over 400 people wow. directly. I know that's not a very big number, and I repent of that. We need to do a lot better. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> so, um, including members of my family, uh, and even my dear dad. My dad was also baptized as a result. Uh, so, it, it is unquantifiable. I cannot measure uh, the... Uh, Whenever I would speak at the lectureship at the, uh, you know, when we, when we promote the Bible college at that little segment in the evenings, uh, I would talk about the Bible college as a gift that keeps on giving. And so maybe this is a good point for me to also say thank you to you all. Thank you to the memorial congregation, the elders, the missions committee, Brother uh, David Duncan, and everyone that's involved with supporting and encouraging and praying for the Bible college because your gift has given something to the Bible College that has given something to me, to my family, to the church, and I believe to the country as a whole, because we don't know how far this will go in time to come. And I wanted to ask you that in a moment, but I was thinking about the benefits you got from there, and then I was mm. thinking about a benefit you could give me to help my preaching, mm. and that is if I could say, burning in my bones the yes, way sir. you do. <laughs> I would be a much more interesting preacher, let me tell you. <clears throat> so you, you, talk, you started to talk about Southern Africa Bible College, about SABS and what it's done. And, and SABS is in, and I've had the privilege of being going there, uh, is in Benoni, which is a suburb of Johannesburg, Correct. which is in South Africa. So Correct. when you start thinking about Benoni and South Africa and all of sub-Saharan Africa, mm -hmm. what kind of impact is SABS having? Are there students from other places? Mm -hmm. Are there are there students that go out, graduate, and go to other places as well? Mm -hmm. What what is the impact like? 
again, it would be very difficult to quantify that, to assess that accurately. I think only the Lord would know, but it has been very widespread. Uh, if memory serves, and Brother Kirk might be able to help us with this, we have graduates that are in um, over 20 different countries. Wow. How many? Over 50. Thank you, Brother Kirk. Wow. Uh, I, I was going to go there, but I thought that I might be wrong. So it's over 50 countries where we have graduates. Uh, we have graduates, of course, right here in uh, the United States. Um, we'd like to have them back. <laughs> but but uh, the U.S. has gained, uh, you know, as a result of uh, gra uh, graduates working here as preachers. Uh, we also have, uh, if I think of the United Kingdom, England, um, Ireland, Scotland, um, in France, I know you say France, <laughs> um, in France, uh, and also Austria uh, as well, then of course down in New Zealand uh, and Australia. I think at one stage we had a, a student from Israel as well, and we also had a student from uh, Ukraine. Mm. Uh, Michael Dorogokuplia was a student that came to South Africa uh, from the Ukraine and is now living in Australia. So again, it is unquantifiable the number of congregations that have been started uh, by graduates. You know, we, we have no idea uh, the number of students that come from uh, countries like uh, uh, Zimbabwe, uh, from uh, Malawi, from uh, the, the, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, uh, and even further afield. So um, even we've even had a, uh, I think we've had a couple of students from the United States as well. There's a brother that's working in uh, Pretoria called Shane Sweeten, and uh, I think Shane Sweeten is from a town called Odessa, in Texas so uh, and he's married to a South African lady and um, I think that's probably you know the exchange program you know we send some here and you send a couple to us so <laughs> so uh, we we glad to have him he's a brilliant scholar and very knowledgeable of uh, when it comes to brotherhood materials uh, and uh, doctrinally sound very down the line so we are so glad to have him working with us but it's unquantifiable so I have not I did not tell you I was going to ask you this, but you preach at the Benoni congregation, is I that do. right? I do, yes. So tell me about the congregations that are mm -hmm. that are in Benoni, in, mm -hmm. in uh, Johannesburg. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you have any idea how many there are or what sizes they are? What would be a typical congregation or what would be a large congregation mm -hmm. in South Africa? Most congregations tend to be under 100 or slightly over 100. Uh, the Banoni congregation in its heyday, uh, I think back in the 1980s, were at 481. Brother Al Horn gave us that figure recently. Uh, but we have, we've lost a lot of people to immigration. Mm -hmm. In fact, one time, uh, uh, Brother Al Horn uh, and Alan Donner, they, they, they counted up how many uh, Benoni members, ex-Benoni members, were living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area alone. And they tallied up 100, uh, 100 ex-Benoni members. So we've lost a lot of people to immigration uh, from Benoni, uh, but that's been a blessing to the church in other places as well. Uh, and in fact, many of these, uh, these ex-members have been through the Bible College as well. So um, in, in, in the Venda area, Venda is an area which is to the northeast of South Africa, uh, adjoining, uh, it's, it's basically on the border with Zimbabwe, and also to the, to the east with uh, Mozambique. And Venda is an area that is rich uh, when it comes to the Churches of Christ. 
and we have several graduates working with congregations there. In fact, the biggest congregation in, uh, in South Africa is in, a, is in a town called Chitambini in uh, Venda, and Chitambini has uh, a preacher who is also a graduate of the Bible College, and that congregation is sitting at about 800. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that was pre-COVID levels. I think they've dropped down a bit, lost about 20%. But uh, like everyone else, we're also in the process of rebuilding sure. and getting the numbers back up. So um, if you look at the congregations in the Johannesburg area, um, just about every congregation will have someone who has either spent some time at the college or is a graduate of the college, either working there as the preacher or helping with preaching and teaching. And so the, the, if, if, I think if you, if you look at the Bible college in terms of uh, throwing a stone into a pond, you know, the ripple effect, the effects of the Bible college uh, are felt right across sub-Saharan Africa. Very good. So Memorial as a congregation mm -hmm. and, and members mm -hmm. on their own have, have been blessed to donate mm -hmm. funds as well as people have visited, there have been resources. Uh, even the library is called the Memorial Correct. Library, and that part of that is because of mm -hmm. Memorial Church of Christ helping right. in that. Right. And so what kind of message? Well, first of all, how has that helped mm -hmm. SABS? And then what kind of message would you like to share with the, with the people here? Mm-hmm. Well, again, um, you know, this word has just come up tonight. I had no intention of using the word unquantifiable, <laughs> but I think it just best describes uh, the impact that the memorial congregation has had on the Bible College. And when I think of, um, you know, Brother Fred, Fred Berg would always speak about the partnership as a, a hand and a glove. And, and for us, you know, maybe the Bible College is the hand and you're the glove and the hand cannot do without the glove. And so uh, the work that Memorial has put in over the years, the funds that have, that have uh, come to, to the Bible College uh, have been used and invested. I think maybe the word invested should be the right word. It's been invested in infrastructure, been invested in the people that work there, the instructors. And, and uh, the knowledge that is being imparted is so valuable in terms of the fact that firstly, uh, the Southern Africa Bible College is the only Church of Christ affiliated Bible College in Southern Africa that has accreditation to offer a Bachelor of Arts degree in theology. So that is a, a major, major uh, plus. Besides that, it is also, and maybe I'm biased in this, that um, it is probably the most uh, conservative of the Bible colleges and schools in the area doctrinally sound, conservative, and uh, it's, it's a, a bastion or a pillar of truth in that area. And so what Memorial has helped uh, over the years uh, is to maintain that doctrinal purity and to maintain the school by helping with funding um, so that we can continue with this institution. Because if, if I were to, um, to look at it from a, a, a negative standpoint, what would happen to the churches of Christ in South Africa, Southern Africa, if we removed the Bible College out of the equation? If God forbid the Bible College had to close its doors, we would lose the jewel in the crown, as it were. 
we would lose the jewel. It would be like turning off the lights, you know, and walking away. This is the impact that the Bible College has had. It has a reputation that uh, has spread far and wide. Every congregation knows about the Bible College and, uh, and, and, and the, the effects of it, the, um, uh, you know, the ability that the Bible College has to train and to equip students. And I just want to say this very quickly that even if someone just does one year, maybe a, a certificate uh, course for one year, there is such a huge difference in the life of that person who has just done one year. Kirk was there recently, and I couldn't help overhear how students were saying how it has changed their life. Mm. Um, there's one young lady, she's actually doing, uh, she has spread her studies over four years, and she keeps telling us how the Bible college has changed her life. So it's, it's not just the, imp the, you know, the imparting of biblical knowledge, and the theological training, but it is also on a personal level where the Bible College changes people for the better and, and improves the quality of their personal life as well. Yeah, That's good. That's very helpful. And I think a lot of folks will want to visit with you in just a little bit. Mm -hmm. There's food that's out in the, uh, mm -hmm. in the Oakview room right now. And yes, that's exactly right. That's why we should stop talking, right? Okay. But I'm going to go off the stage and let you offer the invitation for anyone who Thank would you. like to respond. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate the, uh, the invitation to come tonight. This is my third visit here to Memorial. And the first time I, I came, I was uh, the guest of Sister Virginia Penninger. Is she here tonight? I know she's, she's, um, she's probably, okay, uh, I would love to see her. She became my American mama, so uh, she's adopted me, and she used to write and send me cards um, uh, a few, uh, up, up until a few years ago, but um, I just wanted to say that uh, as well, being over here this time, I was able to go to the uh, World Bible School global missions uh, conference in Burleson, Texas. And what an absolute joy to rub shoulders with missionaries and uh, men and their f families, their wives that work in other parts of the world like the Ukraine. And we hear of what's happening in the Ukraine, the challenges that they face over there. Uh, brothers working in Thailand, Cambodia, uh, other parts of Africa. And to be refreshed by the stories, the real-life stories of these men. And I just wanted to share one thing that was shared with me about a missionary that went down to South America. And uh, when they were on mission, they had a motto or a slogan, if you will, uh, which is taken from Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. So they had, uh, their slogan was 1002. And uh, every time that it was Two minutes after 10, they would say a prayer in line with Luke chapter 10, verse 2, which says, where Jesus says to his disciples, pray the Lord of the harvest and ask the Lord of harvest to send forth workers into his harvest field. So that's my, my one request tonight that uh, you continue to pray for the work in South Africa, that we can continue to raise up workers and to send them off into the harvest field. I was also told at this uh, conference that uh, for decades, the Churches of Christ have had around 800 missionaries collectively working in various parts of the world. 
And that number is still pretty much constant. And just to tell you that, in South Africa alone, we could use 800 missionaries. We could use 800 evangelists. We have a population that's somewhere between 70 and 90 million. So it's a, a fairly large uh, population. And we want to reach people uh, for Christ. We want to reach them with the saving message of the gospel. And remember how Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. And I, for one, I am so privileged, I consider myself to be so blessed that I was able to hear the gospel, the true gospel, the only gospel that Paul defends to the Galatians in Galatians 1 verse 8 where he says that even if we or an angel from heaven came down and preached to you any other gospel other than the one that you have believed, may they be or he be eternally condemned. And I think the reason why Paul says that is because the gospel is that important. To me still today, my favorite verse in the book of Acts is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You know that verse. We preach it every week where Peter says to those that were cut to the heart, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And he gives us two vitally important reasons. And these were reasons, as I said earlier, I never knew that baptism was for the remission of sins. The biggest problem that mankind has is the problem with sin. And no one can forgive sin but God alone. And so he says, you need to be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. And then as equally as important is the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Just a, a, a probably a day ago, one of my World Bible School online students wrote me a message asking me about baptism and what happens when one is immersed in water. And so not to ruin it for this young lady, I guided her to the scripture and I said to her, read Acts chapter 2, specifically verse 38, and tell me what you think. So I'm very interested to see how she's going to respond, if she's going to see those reasons. If she doesn't, I obviously will help her with that. But I think it's so much better when people see the need themselves to obey the gospel, to repent and be baptized, to have their sins forgiven, washed away by the blood of Jesus in the watery grave of baptism, and to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit that identifies us as the children of the Most High God. I cannot stop talking about this message. We sing the song, Tell Me the Old, Old Story. And it's such a beautiful story and it needs to be told and retold and, and retold in every successive generation. The work of restoration continues from generation to generation. And once more, the Memorial Church of Christ is helping us in South Africa to restore individuals, to restore churches and to bring people back to the original pattern that Jesus had intended for the world. So... God's invitation is open to everyone. And I want to plead with you tonight. This is on behalf of the Lord. As the Apostle Paul pleads with the Corinthians where he says, Be reconciled to God. And if there's anyone here tonight that needs to obey the gospel, I plead with you to not delay it any longer. Or if you feel that you've wandered away and maybe the world has, has, has tempted you in ways that you found irresistible and you need to repent, again on behalf of the Lord, I would like to invite you 
to come forward if you need the prayers of the saints. If you need to speak with someone, um, there are elders here that can help you and ministers here that can pray with you and for you. So if you need to be baptized, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, please come as together we stand, as together we sing. <laughs>